You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Show, episode 201. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. Great to be back. This evening, we are hosting the first of our live webinars in 2023. If you don't get your ticket for a session this week, you'll have to wait until fall. So grab one today for the March 7th, 9th, or the full VIP package on the 12th. I will start this week by touching on what I talked about this week on the Money Talks show with Michael Campbell over the weekend, including an update on Hammond Power Solutions, symbol HPS.A. On the TSX, a boring growth business, which is enabling the electrification of the world. The stock is up 75% from this fall. It was recommended in our last webinar as well and is up over 2,000% since our original recommendation to clients. Howman Power is starting to drive returns in the range of the expels and voids of the world, so that is rarefied air. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, Aaron will start by answering a listener question on Sleep Country Canada Holdings, symbol ZZZ on the TSX, the largest retailer of mattresses and bedding accessories in Canada, operating in three segments, Sleep Country, Dormez-vous, Endy, and Hush. Sleep Country is a name we have owned for solid gains in the past in our Canadian income stock portfolios. We are monitoring it again for a potential long-term opportunity, and Aaron will let you know what he thinks of the valuation today. Brett answers a viewer question on Costco Wholesale Corporation, symbol COST on the NASDAQ, or otherwise known as where Brennan brings his lunch dates. Needing limited introduction, Costco is a leading warehouse club operator with 847 locations worldwide. The company just reported its Q2 numbers in a challenging period, and the viewer asked whether the long-term valuations today are good in terms of looking at it as a long-term buy. In our third Your Stock Our Take, Brennan takes the time from his Costco lunch date to review Dental Corp Holdings Limited, symbol DNTL on the TSX, which acquires and partners with dental practices to provide healthcare services in Canada. While conceptually a roll-up strategy in the dental market appears intriguing, Brennan lets you know if Dental Court is actually executing on this plan in a profitable manner. So let's get to the show. I'm going to welcome my co-hosts, Mr. Aaron Dunn and the Killer Bees, Brett and Brennan. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Had several hot dogs this weekend from Costco, so, you know, not actually. Hot dogs? I just kid. Did you get a lasagna? Did you see if Mama Mancini's had their meatballs there? <laughs> no, I think we I already confirmed. I, I'm joking. I didn't actually go to Costco this weekend. Oh, so, wow. uh, your, your yeah, research big, stinks then, Brennan. Yes, yep. it's true. You're just full of it. Yeah, but I okay. did listen to you on uh, on air, and I gave you a call on the weekend, which uh, mm. 
Yeah, and talked about it. Money talks. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a it's a good too. show. Um, we we talked about our live webinars coming up. I'll get that out of the way. March seventh, seven p.m. Pacific. March 9th, seven p.m. Eastern. Get your tickets there if you want the full portfolio solution. It is on March twelfth. It's about a five hour seminar. We'll have live Q and A's in both of those. So get your tickets for those. I think March seventh is launching today. So tonight, get your ticket, and uh, we should be able. We'll see you there in person. Well, live Virtually via, person. you know what I'm saying, <laughs> virtually in person, whatever. That's we do nice to me. Yeah, Aaron, <laughs> get out there. <laughs> Aaron's hosting the entire event. No, I'm kidding. Come yeah, well, door. we did do our first in person this fall, and we'll probably get to that back to fall again. But these are live virtual events, so we'll interact with you virtually that way. Um, yeah, no, it was a good in appearance. Person, not I, in person. <laughs> virtually not. So we, um, yeah, we did. I did the show with Campbell this week, and always a good interview. Michael's uh, he's a, a really good interview. He listens. You know, we get good questions asked on there, and uh, went through a number of companies. Talked about my feeling, our feelings on where the markets are right now in terms of valuations. Uh, I did a segment on that on a recent show, and they're similar to what I. The, the views are similar to what I expressed on the show today, uh, or, or on the weekend. Now, we also talked about a company, Hammond Power Solutions. So I can go through them right now today. I updated them. Uh, I recommended them actually on the fall show uh, about in October, I believe, on the Michael Campbell show. Hammond Power, HPS.A on the TSX. Uh, in October, uh, it was trading around 1660. Today, it's about 2920. So that's up 75% from there. Originally, we recommended this to clients back in 2002, 2003 in that range. It makes me feel old talking about that. Uh, gain of over 2,400% since then. So it's done well. And that is without the dividend. That is just a price gain over that period. So the market cap, $345 million. What does the company do? Well, if you can believe it, Hammond Power was founded over 100 years ago. They enable electrification, easy to say through its broad range of dry type transformers, power quality products and related magnetics. Hammond Power standard and custom designer products are essential and ubiquitous to in electrical distribution networks through an extensive range of end user applications. So growth, well, it's traditional market is seeing growth right now. Those would be um, the energy mining, silica chip manufacturing and data, data center markets. Now there's new opportunities that are really powering growth in the business, evolving technologies like EV charging, solar energy and energy storage applications. An example of this would be every Tesla charging station in Canada uses Hammond transformers. I, we, we find that interesting and it's, it's peaking interest in what has been a boring business that really uh, just supports the backbone of the electrical grid. Now, near term, the backlog's at an all-time high. If you look at recent financials, Q3 2022 revenues were up 56% to $149 million. Earnings per share, $0.97 cents in that quarter, up from $0.34 cents in the same period. And that order backlog increased 141% to a record high. Now, the valuations here... We expect the company to produce around $3 per share in earnings this year. So it's about 9.7 times this year's earnings. If you gave it 10 times, which would be a significant discount to the market, which trades at 18, 20 times, uh, it is, it, that would give you a fair value in the range of $30. So 
still undervalued, but close to its near-term fair value for us. It's volatile. It does uh, get affected by the cyclical nature of the economy over the long term, but it does have that wind at its back in terms of um, that electrification movement. It's cash rich. There's now uh, on a net cash basis and low debt. So, and it keeps adding cash, cash to fund expansion and potentially make some more acquisitions for this company. So interesting business. Wanted to update it because we talked about it last time we were on Michael Campbell. We talked about it on his show uh, this weekend as well. So I give our listeners here on this YouTube channel and podcast a uh, an update on that company as well. Solid business. You bet. As well, Aaron, uh, we are now uh, booked into doing a polar bear plunge this time next year. Uh, myself, you, Michael Campbell, and Ozzy Zurich are jumping into uh, somewhere into the waters off the coast of Vancouver here and probably never servicing again, but uh, you have been roped into that. <laughs> Aaron looks really Oh, I'm, I'm just, I wasn't going to go anyway. So it's you're going. It's for the Special Olympics. So, Aaron, you got to go. There's no, there's no, there's no backing out. And I'm saying this live right now to you. Plus it was live on air. I got surprised and I, I somehow roped. Oh, Aaron's coming with me. Okay. Yeah. I got both of you there. Uh, so but they were, they, they jump in the water wearing later hosen. So we're going to have to get mm -hmm. some later hosen, Aaron. So actually Brad had the idea spot. if we put on a suit and just jump into the water in our suits, right? That'd be good. Yeah. Man. It fits you. Aaron's I don't like, think I've ever seen you without a suit. This sounds great. <laughs> Very I'm, I'm actually a big believer in cold therapy. So hey. you know, my, my brother actually has a hot tub on his back deck, but in the wintertime, he just lets it like ice up. And then every yeah. morning he jumps in there and spends like five minutes in his ice bath hot tub. We could um, spend five minutes in the icy water. By, I, you know, I, um, I'm game, I guess. Have you ever done it though? No, I do try and take very cold showers, though. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, as close as I've gotten so far. Yeah. Well, just, to wake, just, just to wake me up. Brennan needs those cold showers after his Costco lunch dates. That's Yeah, I mean, out here we have, like, our lakes, obviously, and they freeze right over. And in May, you know, when the you ice in? starts to break up. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, it takes your breath away. Like, it's, it's wild. And there was this one year, I mean, we were – dumb kids but we were like we would we ran super far out on the ice and i mean not a good idea when you're you, know. you went in well we, we were fell yeah, through that a, is a couple not... fell through um uh, but i mean we all lived uh but uh yeah it's pretty crazy when may comes around and i mean sometimes get we get trapped under the ice there's still ice on the uh on the lake so you know sometimes it lasts for a while good old Saskatchewan. Oh, that's amazing well, we'll look forward to hosting everybody at those webinars. Yeah, it was a good appearance, and uh, we got roped into that. But it is for a good cause, and Aaron loves great causes. So that's why yes. we're going. You know me. Yeah, I <laughs> it's true. Uh, did you guys want to talk about, uh, just before we get into, there, we've got three more Your Stock Our Takes that we want to get to today. Some interesting companies there. But uh, we talked about this sometime in the fall. Jim Cramer, there were some ETFs launched. Uh, it's by a company called Tuttle Capital Management have launched, actually been approved, I believe a pair of inverse exchange traded or ETF funds to let investors essentially bet against stock recommendations of CNBC Mad Money's host, Jim Cramer. Now, 
Kramer has been roasted a number of times for his m- mistaken calls on Twitter and, you know, basically everywhere in social Better. media. But he, he said to, he, uh, at least it seems like he's a good sport on this, although he points out all his good calls there. He says, as, as always, I welcome people betting against me. I've done this for 42 years. Those who do know me will know you have been betting against Apple, Google, Meta, Amazon, and AMD. So I welcome all comers, he said. So Tuttle Capital Management launched those two EPFs based on the polarizing stock picks of Jim Cramer. So it's the inverse Cramer ETF, S Jim, and the long Cramer tracker ETF, L Jim. Uh, I mean, it, uh, we looked through the press release. It doesn't sound like it's very scientific. This is from the CEO, Matthew Tuttle. Um, if it says, if he, which is Jim Cramer specifically says either buy, buy, buy a stock, then we're going to go short the stock at the next practical moment. Essentially, if he says he hates a stock or says sell, sell, sell something, we're going to go long on that name at the next practical entry point. They're going to charge you 1.2% for doing that as well. And they're doing this in a very low-tech manner. Uh, Tuttle and two of his colleagues essentially watch Kramer's TV appearances through the trading day and monitor his, monitor his Twitter account to manage a basket of just 20 to 50 names. The turnover, turnover they say, is high, is going to be high. Um, it's To me, this is an absolute gimmick. It makes a joke of uh, the financial markets. And Tuttle... Amazing. Nice job there. Uh, you, you know, they're getting their name out there, I guess. But uh, for me, it's this This isn't investing. It's an absolute joke. And it kind of makes a farce of investing. And, you know, I, I fine. You want to invest in this ETF. Good luck. I mean, to me, it, I heard T- Tuttle and I just think of Tom Tuttle from Tacoma, Washington and volunteers. And I think that level of human being is probably managing this fund. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Like, well, I mean, it doesn't matter here. who's managing the fund, though. You don't actually Ugh. have to do any research. As you said, you just have to watch Jim Cramer's show, right? And, I mean, say what I you mean, want about Tuttle. The guy's, got, the guy's got a nice little gimmick going on. He's making 1.2%. He doesn't have to do any research. He just has to watch what Jim Cramer picks. He's got an inverse Cramer ETF. He's got a long Cramer ETF. So it doesn't matter, like... If Kramer does well or doesn't do well, so I mean, yeah, it's it's is it uh, is it a gimmick? Sure, but yeah, I'm just hoping no, uh, hardly anybody puts their money into this and it just flounders because, or just the returns after two years or something are totally terrible. I mean, it's I it's just gimmick. Period. Imagine if somehow the returns of both ETFs were totally terrible, <laughs> right? Like if, yes. I went, if, I went, if I bought equal proportions of the inverse and the long, then you know you should be roughly even. Yeah, um, you'll be down the expense over time. Yeah. You'll see that loss on the leverage fund. For, Although I know the way that yeah. those three versus yeah. work, it actually you, you might not be totally even, mm-hmm. but still, like say more or less. Um, but so that that'd be an interesting thing to visit in a year or two. The irony yeah. is, like after the whole three day trading period, the long uh, Kramer ETF is doing better than the short. So long Kramer, apparently, the internet's been wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it'll be funny to track over time. Something to look at and see how many assets they actually get in there and, and how well it does over the, over it's hopefully short history. Sometimes I watch his show, but just for a laugh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Ah, if I want to punish myself, I'll watch a show. That's about it. Yeah. So, Aaron, you got you got a qu- listener question or a viewer question on Sleep Country Canada Holdings ZZZ, a company you know well. Yeah, I mean, from way back, we had we had research on the company. It's it's not been a buy recommendation for. You said um, you were looking at mattresses there. too. Have you have you went in and looked? I actually at one? went recently and I bought a pillow. Um, two very uh-huh. expensive pillows. The Polar pillows from Sleep Country about uh, three weeks ago. Also, just kind of get a sense of what the stores were like and the and the service. And I mean, you know, for the most part, I was pretty impressed. Um, yeah, and I will, and I will be in the market for a mattress as well. So, but the pillows did, so far they're they're working great. They're good. Did Christine McGee sell any of them personally, or no, no, no? no. Too she bad. wasn't there that day. But too um, bad. but anyways, we'll, she's we'll usually get at every store. Okay, so Sleep Country Canada, uh, as Ryan said, this is a company that many years back we had um, we had coverage on. Uh, more recently, we've been following it very closely. The company just put out their Q4 results on March 3rd. Now, one of the reasons we've been following it very closely recently is because the valuation has looked compelling to us. So we, we put out our dividend all-star report in February. And within that report, we had 15 companies that were in our top tier monitor list. Sleep Country made that grade. Uh, not a company that we were recommending specifically, but a company that where we saw good potential value over the next several years um, based on just the company's recognizable brand, strong historic financial performance, and valuation. So the company trades right now at a share price of just under $26. It's a $900 million market cap. And Sleep Country, of course, they are the largest retailer of mattresses and bedding accessories in Canada. They operate three segments, Sleep Country, uh, Dormez-Vu is the brand in Quebec, and also Envy and Hush. As I said, the company put out their Q4 results on March 3rd, and as expected, those results were down. Um, revenue was down about 10.4% to $243 million. Same store sales growth was negative 11.5% in the fourth quarter. Adjusted EBITDA declined almost 15% and adjusted EPS declined 19%. This was expected. This was not any surprise to the market, really. We put out our research in the Dividend All-Star after they put out their Q3 results. The Q3 results were also down. Uh, There's already signs of lower consumer spending or consumer confidence that was impacting the company. So this was more or less expected. For the full year of 2022, the results were decent, roughly flat. Revenue was 928 million, up about 0.9%. Same store sales growth was one point, negative 1.8%. Now this was compared to a very strong year in 2021 where same store sales were up 18.3%. Um, and Sleep Country was really a winner during a lot of the pandemic as people were spending a lot of money on home items. Adjusted EBITDA for 2022 up 3.6% and adjusted EPS up 6.4% to 281. So they did have very strong strength um, in 2021 and for the first half of 2022. And it's really Q3, Q4, where we started to see the financial performance slide moderately. Just a few, a little bit of commentary from from the Q4 report. So essentially what was impacting the results in the last half of 2022, uh, this was higher interest rates, reduced consumer confidence, due to fears about potential recession. And what is it? what this has done is it's led consumers to delaying large purchases. And of course, if you're financing, 
these large pur purchases that at the current interest rates, uh, those that, that it becomes a lot more expensive. One of the other things that the company noted is, noted is that consumers were shifting their spending um, from home items to more experience focused spending such as travel. So of course, people were traveling a lot 2020, 2021, they were spending more on their homes um, now in 2022 or the latter half of 2022 and in 2023, we're seeing, um, we're seeing people spending money outside the home, but management remains confident in its growth potential. Uh, it's committed to a strategy of organic growth, e-commerce, accessory expansion and growth by acquisition. So historically sleep country has, has, has performed extremely well. Um, good, consistent growth in revenues, consistent growth in a uh, gross pro growth gross profit margins and operating EBITDA as well. Um, revenue over the past four years up to 2021 grew at a rate of about 12%, earnings per share growing at 11%. Uh, some of this was acquisitions. A lot of this is same, same store sales growth as well. And they really are one of the more recognizable brands in the, in the Canadian stock market and as well um, a dominant leader within the, the mattress and bedding industry. We wanted to take a look at the at the debt leverage and the financial position. So the company has about 413 million in debt. They reported 218 million more or less in adjusted EBITDA. So that gives them a debt to EBITDA multiple of about 1.9 times. Debt to EBITDA, this is one of the key leverage ratios that we would look at. 1.9 times, that's not an unreasonable multiple. Although I would say, you know, it's starting to butt up on that, that two to 2.5 times range, which we would consider an absolute maximum. So ideally we would probably want to see this multiple somewhere in the one to two times range, maybe about 1.5 times, still at a reasonable level right now, uh, but we wouldn't want to see it much higher. And then in terms of valuation, the company at the current share price of $26 and earnings of 281 is trading at a price to earnings valuation of about nine times. So we do expect likely uh, earnings are going to are going to decline moderately in 2023. So, you know, we may see the valuation on forward earnings at around 10, maybe even 11 times. But still relative to where this company has traded in the past, this is still a very reasonable valuation for long term investors. So just our take on Sleep Country, we're expecting to see a challenging environment continue uh, throughout 2023. This is potentially going to go into 2024. But on the positive side, what we have here is we have a, a dominant leader in their industry. It's a very recognizable brand, highly profitable company, and a strong track record of success. Um, we do see potential opportunity in the company for long-term investors at the current valuation of about nine times earnings. Uh, what we would say is that if somebody was interested in the company, you could you could continue to monitor them as we're doing right now. This is something that we could see ourselves recommending over at some point in 2023. If you wanted to take a position in the company, we would say start small. No need to rush into a, to a full position. Maybe start with a quarter position and see how the company progresses over the course of the year. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's a good summary. We have been monitoring it for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, th there's some challenging in macro environment right now, but it has been a long-term leader in the Canadian market. And it's certainly one that we're, uh, you know, we consider to be a good company and uh, potentially one that we would add to our rec recommendation list over the next 12 to 18 months. 
All right, I think we're going to have Brett answer a viewer question on Costco Wholesale Corporation cost on the NASDAQ. All right, so we got a question from Brenda from via email, and she asked about our take on Costco Wholesale Corporation, simple cost or, or simple COST or cost on the NASDAQ. Costco is a leading warehouse club. Costco has 847 locations worldwide. It sells membership that allows customers to shop in its warehouses, which features low prices on a limited product assortment. The stock is trading around $488 with a market cap of $216 billion and it is up roughly 8% year to date. The company does have a small dividend yielding about 0.8%. Costco just released its Q2 2023 earnings. On March 2nd, reporting an increase of net sales, including membership fees, to, by 6.5% to $54 billion. But that growth was largely due to gas inflation and foreign exchange changes. Remo when removing the pricing changes of those, net sales actually shrunk by 8.7%, showing a weaker picture than just the standard net sales. It is important to consider these effects of foreign exchange and inflation and other external effects, as management just can't control them. So you really want to look at the company's operations when you're now analyzing company. Obviously, the overall, including inflation, all those matters, but you want to really break it down once you're looking deeper into a company. Earnings per share slightly increased by 2.7% to 3.07 per share from $2.99. Looking at a longer period of time, so the trailing 12 months, the company had EPS of $13.26 compared to $11.65 over the previous trailing period. The limited growth for the quarter combined with the trailing 12 months can really show the uh, macro slowdown over the last six months, really. Costco saw big ticket items, well, big ticket discretionary items drop by 15%, while the membership, so people signing up for their memberships, grew by 7%, and food sales grew by 9.6%, really showing that shifting consumer spending habits that we've been talking around about the last month or so. Moving to the balance sheet. Simply put, it's strong. The company does have net debt of or debt of nine million, including the leases, but a cash position of ten point nine billion, resulting in a net cash position of one point eight billion. A net cash position is always great to see when economic conditions are questionable, because it always gives them some opportunities. Let's say they can pick up non probably non Costco case, but they can acquire, they can get new locations at cheaper prices, things like that. So net cash can actually be quite great, and even then. Their debt position, which is still less than a cash, of course, is fixed rate debt. So you don't have that interest rate uh, risk embedded into the company. And their next rollover period, so what I mean by that is when their next debt matures, which is about a billion dollars, is in May of 2024. So they don't even have to worry about rolling over their debt. And even then, they could easily pay it off. Let's say interest rates just keep on going up. They can pay it off with the cash they have on hand at this time. But... For comparison purposes, direct competitor Walmart, simple WMT, on the New York Stock Exchange has a net debt position of $50 billion. Walmart is a larger company, but it's clearly more leveraged. Like even if you did two times, they have $25 billion in debt if you average the market cap or weighted the market cap. So it's obviously quite a significantly more leveraged company. Next up, valuation. Costco trades at a trailing price to earnings of 36 times, which is expensive given its growth. A strong balance sheet should allow it to trade at a higher multiple. We do like to see that because it de-risks it. So if you have a lower risk company, it should trade at a higher multiple. It makes sense. But 36 times is still high. So if we look at like the historic PE here, it's quite high. It's come down from its all-time high, which is about 46 times 
but it's well above the last decade when we saw in the 2010s from 20 to 30 times, and it was slowly rising during the entire decade. So we've really seen this PE go up over time. You've seen multiple expansion. So even if the company does continue to do well, in a bad uh, economic scenario, you can see multiple contraction. So this is where it starts to go down. So even if the earnings are flat, the stock price can go down. Or what you may see as well is the stock price could stay flat and the earnings go up and the PE will slowly go down. And this is what you really want to watch when you're uh, valuing a company and especially on comparables. So for as I was comparing with the balance sheet, we're looking at Walmart for a comparable. It has a trailing PE of 33 times. So compared to 36, it's slightly lower. But if we're using the analyst expectations, which we don't always like to use as a guide, but it's good to kind of gauge the market expectations, it's only trading at 23 times its fiscal 2024 expected earnings. And their fiscal 2024 for a Walmart is a uh, calendar 2023, just to give you an idea. And whereas Costco's forward PE, which is for 2023 and 2024, is 34 times and 31 times respectively, it breaks the year in half effectively. So even if you took the middle point of that of 32, 33 times, it's still quite a bit higher. And these are probably the pretty comparable companies, I would say, because they're both, you're looking for that low cost consumer oriented program. But either way, it's materially lower the PE for Walmart. So concluding, Costco is a strong company and has great underlying financials, but the valuation is just too high. And I really expect uh, multiple contractions sometime in the future. Like I, I know some people are saying you can hold it for five or 10 years and you'll probably make all fine, which you probably will. But it's really that opportunity cost where you might only get a few percentage uh, average return over the years just because it's already trading in high multiple compared to other companies. Yeah, good job, Brett. You know, um, like I wasn't expecting you to do the comparison with Walmart, which is I, which I think is great that you did do. So, you know, kudos to you on that. Um, yeah, Ryan, Aaron, any thoughts? So it looks like analysts are expecting strong growth from Walmart over the next year. Yeah, yeah I didn't look too much into Walmart just because I was using it as a comparison. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they're, they were, I think, about 4 e dollars eps this year like 430 or something and they're expecting around six next year so that's oh, wow. really that yeah, yeah this wow. is quite a strong growth at least for analyst expectations i don't yeah, always trust them i want to deeper of course. of course yeah yeah of yeah. course but no but that's an interesting comparison i like to see uh the the balance sheet um breakdown as well that there's net cash with mm-hmm. with costco so that's i mean that definitely adds to the investment proposition you know, it's it's been it's been a phenomenal comp- company. I, I'd agree with your assessment, though. It's you know at the current valuation, certainly not cheap. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a price to cash flow basis, I think back to two thousand, uh, it traded uh, from two thousand to say two thousand twenty one. It traded about between you know fifteen and you know at a low of about ten eight times in that range. Sorry, eight nine times. Price to cash flow. Uh, right now, the price to cash flow is around thirty-one th- or thirty-three in that range. So, I mean, it's certainly at the historical high end of its you know price to cash flow multiple in terms of Costco. Great business, love going there. You know, and and you can say if it's five to ten years forward, it's probably a company that continues to be a, a good, a long-term investment. But you know, when you're paying a premium multiple, it can trade sideways for years and years and years if you're paying too much for a business in the near term. And it does, you know, seem like it is on the higher end of the multiple. Good company, certainly. You guys are Costco members, yes? 
guys yeah. have Costco cards. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And love it. Go, I go there like almost every Sunday with my daughter. Yeah. It's like, she loves the sample. I don't go there after a week, but. Uh, it, it, it'd be, it's just a time for us to hang out. That's about it. But she loves the, she loves the sample. So we're good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, and, one of uh, my uh, one of my friends actually just got a Costco card, and uh, his justification was that he only needs to buy four forty eight packs of Coors Lights in a year, and it basically pays off his membership for him. That sounds like your friends <laughs> right there. Sounds like uh, the Saskatoon calculation. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. yes, exactly. That's true. Everything else and, on and top you, is just great. You got your membership just for the lunch dates. We already I've, know that, right? Well, to be honest, the only reason I have a Costco card is because my parents uh, they got like the executive membership so they get two cards and i mean my mom and dad always go together so you know they just yes. kind of gave me the other card yeah that's very nice. nice of them that is it's a sweet moment so. <laughs> oh yeah all right let's let's talk about uh dental corp holdings limited dntl on the tsx a, a rather recent in the last several years listing um, an exerial acquire of partners with uh, our dental practices across canada so I got this question from my buddy Austin, uh, and he says, can I get an official video of Dental Corp? Where do I have to submit my question? And I just texted him back. I'll do it for you next week. Well, I didn't end up doing it for him the following week. And he texts me back on Friday and he says, dude, how dude. long are you going to make me wait? Dude. <laughs> yeah. dude. So uh, I am conducting this for Austin. So sorry for me. And where's the course line? And for um, all dude. listeners, of course, right? And for yes. all listeners, of course. Yeah. Uh, and just to give you some background, the reason he's interested in this company is because uh, he is in the dental industry himself. Oh, okay. Um, oh. So yeah, so he's got some, you know, uh, kind of some insight on the industry. Yeah. So... Going over here, so Dental Corp Holdings Limited, DNTL on the TSX, currently trading at a price of about $9.71 and a $1.8 billion market cap. So the company acquires and partners with dental practices to provide healthcare services in Canada. And as at September 30th of 2022, the company was the largest uh, provider of dental services in Canada as it owns and operates a network of over 538 dental practices with approximately 8,450 team members, including over 1,650 dentists, over 2,000 hygienists, and over 4,800 auxiliary uh, dental health professionals. So moving to uh, the company's growth strategy, this is from uh, the company's or Dental Corp's investor presentation. So the company aggressively grows through acquiring independent dental practices with a selection criteria of two to 2.3 million in revenue and about 500,000 in EBITDA. And management has noted that they have a current pipeline of over 720 identified target practices of which approximately 190 are in more advanced stages of negotiation right now. And management claims that following an acquisition of a practice, they can reduce costs and increase the practice's EBITDA margin by 10 to 15% following the first year. And plus, uh, you know, they're targeting about 3% same practice revenue growth over the medium term. I don't know exactly how they're defining medium term, but that's what they noted, uh, which essentially is achieved through increasing frequency of patient visits and by increasing service offerings with clear aligners through their partnership with Invisalign and ortho treatments and implants. Now, looking at some, some operational updates here. 
So on November 21st of 2022, the company announced a strategic review process to unlock shareholder value, which the board has established to potentially sell the business following some unsolicited expressions of interest from other parties. And they noted that there can be no assurance that the process will lead to the approval or completion of any transaction. And it does not intend to provide any updates with respect to the review until the board approves a specific transaction or otherwise concludes review of all of its alternatives. And as a segue into the financials, um, I just wanted to note the company's most recent equity raise of $115 million in January of 2022, as the company aggressively acquires, you know, like I was saying this before, they aggressively acquire practices and either need to need funds, uh, you know, coming from debt or share in- issuances, but most importantly, uh, through internally generated cash flow, you know, to make those uh, acquisitions of the practices. And as you can see here uh, in the chart or in the share count chart uh, from Y charts that I have pulled up here at the bottom, uh, the company's share count has increased to about 185 million shares outstanding. So they have been diluting, uh, you know, over the last year here. And looking at the financials now, uh, so just quickly going over them here. So revenue for Q3 of 2022 was 312.1 million, an increase of 25%. Adjusted EBITDA was also up double digits, uh, 28% to uh, 59.3 million. And the company on a gap basis is still technically losing money with a net loss of 14.7 million or eight cents per share. And looking at the balance sheet, the company held about 133 million in cash and had a debt and leases of 1.35 billion, providing a net debt position of about 1.22 billion and a trailing net debt to EBITDA multiple of about 5.5 times, which is getting pretty high. And if we look at the interest coverage ratio, which is earnings before interest in tax divided by the interest expense, in the last quarter, the company's was just 0.12 times. So we can see the company's earnings before interest in tax is not sufficient to pay the company's interest charges. And generally, we'd like to see this ratio well above one. And looking at the valuation metrics, the company trades with an enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of about 14 times and an EV to cash flow multiple of 20 times. And they did provide a little bit of outlook for 2023, you know, just saying that they anticipate modest quarterly acquisition pacing in 2023 as well. This is a quote. Uh, They are well positioned to generate double digit revenue and adjusted EBITDA growth while generating strong free cash flow to accelerate its pace of delevering the balance sheet without the need to raise additional debt or equity capital. So to conclude, though a slight hiccup to growth during the pandemic, Dental Corp has shown impressive double digit growth in revenue and EBITDA, albeit through taking on a significant amount of debt and issuing shares. Now, the business does generate positive cash flow, which is good, but given the highly levered balance sheet, rising interest rate environment, lack of bottom line profitability, and the need for additional funds to continue to grow, the risk of an investment in the business is heightened, and the future growth rate comes under question as its access to funds are being strained unless it decides to do you know, a, a potential equity raise here. So I would say, you know, it's an interest, it is interesting that the business is conducting a strategic review, which I'm not sure if it will amount to anything. But what I would like to see from the business uh, is to essentially lower the leverage on its balance sheet 
and just try to get into more meaningful bottom line profitability. That is it. That is all. So what does Austin think of the company? Well, Austin likes likes the company, but he, he likes the industry more, I guess, mm-hmm. than the specific company himself or themselves. Because to give you some background, and hopefully Ozzy's okay with me saying this, is um, Ozzy works for a company who has uh, dental labs all across Saskatchewan, and they ended up getting bought out by Sentinel Group. I believe it's Sentinel Group, who, who is a private uh, equity company in New York. Um, so this is essentially their biggest competitor. Um, so, you know, he's just kind of interested and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he has heard some talk that, uh, you know, banks have been re- pulling in or, or basically like, you know, not as willing to lend, of course, you know, so, uh, I remember him telling me this, uh, not too, too long ago. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, he, he kind of raised some question marks around the growth strategy moving forward. But, uh, yeah. I mean, he was basically born and raised in this industry because his father started the dental practice or, uh, the, the labs, you know, several years ago or many, many years ago. Um, so, you know, he, he does have a great understanding, um, of the, the space. Um, but yeah, you know, I just think with a company, well, like yeah, this, I mean, one thing I understand is that balance sheet and a 5.5 yeah. debt to EBITDA, that's like what mm-hmm. you would expect of a utility. Yeah. Um, that, that's a levered balance sheet. And I doubt that they would have wanted to get leverage up to that point had they known what was going to happen with interest rates over the last year. So definitely a major risk there, particularly for a company that's dependent on acquisition growth. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you see these roll up stories and, uh, you know, they get very aggressive with their, you know, growth at any cost scenario. And, you know, while capital was cheap, Perhaps you can make a case for growing that way, but you know, capital has increased significantly in terms of its price, and and you're you know you're in a situation with a business like this where they've leveraged the balance sheet too aggressively, in our opinion, and you know, you, you you now get to a scenario where now we're going to deleverage. Well, where's the growth going to come from? There's mm-hmm. no, you know if you're not making acquisitions, these businesses aren't that they're buying as in many cases across industries aren't growing at a high rate. And so you have a low, low organic growth rate. If it's there, some of them are not growing at all organically, but you're buying these businesses on the relative cheap because you can continue to potentially use your share price. Well, I doubt they can do that right now. And then if you're going to go into further debt, well, they don't want to do that. So now you've got to a place where everything looked great in terms of the, the buildup of revenue over the past several years, but now that growth rate may stop, the premium multiple that you're getting stops, and then the share price can fall off a cliff. And really, since this is listed, it's not done no. very well at all in terms of its share price. And it's just an overlevered business at this point. And you know, you're doing a strategic review to see if they can you know, cash out. Yeah. But um, if they can't, there may be a debt issue at some point. Yeah. And as well, you know, I did notice uh, just in my quick research that they were conducting some hedging with interest rate swaps. Um, so, you know, like they are being cognizant of it. I'd have to look more in depth yeah. into. Uh, so their their debt is variable largely right now? Uh, I believe so, from my understanding. Yeah, yes. I actually have that up right now. That's what I was looking yes. into. Uh, yeah. Half of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had about a billion in a variable, but they've now hedged out about half of it. Yeah. But they didn't do that until October, so it actually doesn't even appear on these last financials unless you look at mm-hmm. the yeah. notes. Yeah. And even then, you're already at the higher rates. At that you're point. already at a higher rate. So They're at yeah. 3.8 oh, for, for a 4% now. Yeah. 
get some like I, I got i gotta say that, that it goes to process there like when you're when you could have gotten rates at significantly lower why were you running on the edge of variable in a business like this like i'm, I'm not i'm not sure just thinking that capital would be cheap forever or hoping you know you're, you're crossing your fingers and and that i don't think hope is a good strategy no Okay. Well, we are, we're closed out for this week. I believe that was it. Um, again, get your tickets for our seminars, the seventh, the ninth. Those are the two individual segments. There's also the full VIP package that is for the 12th on uh, Saturday, but they're coming up, get those tickets, keep your questions coming in for your stock, our take. If you want us to debate two companies, smash the subscribe button smash that button on YouTube and uh, rate and review us. If you're listening to us on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast. And as always, I wish you thank you and profitable investing. Thank you, everyone. Thanks everyone. Thank you.